Welcome Inside the Vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind Arjun Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and it is for serious entrepreneurs only. This week, we dug deep into the vault to pull out a lesson from Arjun's members-only meeting in Los Angeles in 2014. In this episode, Arjun provides a framework for understanding the types of employees you want to build around, the ones who might blow it all up, and everything in between. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjan is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjan, I try to take it and be a sponge. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjun's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun, and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul. But it's, it's growth the whole way. This live quarterly meeting is all about how to recruit, build, and lead your A-team to success. So let's talk about that. Recruit, build, and lead your A-team to success. Why is that important? People, your people, are the most appreciable asset you have in your entire business. A lot of people think sales is the most important, and sales is important. A lot of people think marketing is important, and marketing is important, and financial controls are important, and getting your factory under control so that you can deliver on the promises that your business makes to your customers and your clients, that's important. But the most appreciable asset, what I mean by most appreciable, is where you can get the greatest return on your investment. We get the greatest return on our investment when we invest in our people. This is the order. You've all seen me do the thing where I lay out uh, the order with marketing leads to sales, sales leads to the factory, factory leads to the physical plant, physical plant leads to the people, the people lead to the money and the metrics, and it all revolves around you. You've all seen me do that, right? You understand the concept. But this is actually the order in terms of your most appreciable asset. You are always going to be your most appreciable asset because you have unlimited potential to grow. And your business can never grow bigger than you are. Personal growth always has to precede professional growth. Your business is never going to get bigger than you will let it become. If you have to be the one spinning all the plates yourself, there's only so many plates you're going to be able to spin at the same time until things start to fall down. That's why you are the most, that's why you are the, the, the greatest investment you can make in yourself. That's why I'm so proud of all of you for being here. 
And how many of you brought a team member? That's great. And I'm even more proud of you for bringing a team member because now not only are you investing in yourself, but now you're making an investment in your people. Your people are your second most appreciable asset in your business. Because every dollar that you invest in growing your people can return almost an unlimited amount of dollars in return, return on investment. Every hour that you invest in your people can save you countless hours in return. Imagine the guy who was just spinning the plates. Imagine if he had put someone in charge of that first plate and all that person did was spun that first plate because kept it going. How hard would that person have had to work? Sean, can we get a picture of that, of that, uh, of that, of that scene, please? How hard would that first person have had to work to keep that first plate spinning, to keep the marketing going if their job was just well-engineered to keep the marketing going? Do we have that up there? Just grab a still scene, a still spot of him there. Uh, nope, when he's, when he's standing there with all the plates. If the, if the pole was built correctly, if the plate was engineered correctly, if the person was, was, was trained how to keep the first plate spinning, that marketing could have kept going and going and going and going and going and going and going while this guy was then working on building the sales. And then you put someone in charge of the sales and that person could have kept the sales going and going and going and going while the first person kept the marketing going and going and going. And then the second person gets the sales going and going and going. And then the owner of the business then goes to the third part of the business and gets the factory engineered and streamlined and puts someone in charge of the factory. And that person can keep the factory going and going and going. And then the physical plant and then the people and then the money and the metrics. And then you, you, as the business owner, you get to actually stand on this platform that you've built and use your business for what it was meant for. Your business was not meant to be a, a prison camp that you report for duty in every day, every week, every month, every year for the rest of your life. Your business was not meant to be a prison cell. Your business was meant to be a, a joy. Your business is supposed to work for you. You are not supposed to be working for your business. If you feel like you need to be spinning all of your plates, it's because you haven't built a team. You haven't yet recruited a full team. You haven't built the team. And you're not providing the kind of leadership that the team needs to really take you and take themselves to success. You're leading yourself to success. You're leading each member of the team to success. It's not just about you. It's not just, they're not just working in service to you like slaves to the Pharaoh. Now, how many of us feel a little bit uncomfortable about the idea of building a team and having them work for us? The rest of you just haven't thought it through. 
how many of you are complete assholes? Okay. If you're an asshole, then I understand that you don't feel at all uncomfortable about this idea of having these people just working for you. All right? But if you're, if, you're, if you're a caring person, if you're a kind person, if you're a thoughtful person, if you're a good person, it probably feels uncomfortable, this idea of hiring this team of people and getting them to work for you. Work for the glory of me. No, that's not cool. That's not going to make you feel good. But what if, what if we had a completely different approach? What if instead of hiring people and getting them to work for you, for us, what if we were to recruit people and show them this vehicle that I have built? If you get on board with this vehicle, this vehicle can help take you to where you want to go. Then it feels a lot better, right? Feels better for you as the owner of the business. Feels better for everyone on the team. I promise you, you'll make a lot more money. That's a good thing. Your customers, your clients, your patients, your passengers, your diners, whatever you want to call the people that do business with your company, they will all be better off when everyone on your team is showing up because helping to grow your business in some way, shape, or form helps them, the members of your team, get closer to their hopes, dreams, goals, ambitions, and fullest potential. It's like a pretty cool way of thinking about it, right? All right. So the most appreciable asset you have in your business is always going to be you. The second most appreciable asset you're always going to have in your business is going to be your people, your team. The third most appreciable asset you're always going to have in your business is your marketing. Why is marketing the third most appreciable asset in your business? Why isn't it sales? Why is sales the seventh, the last most appreciable asset you have in your business? Why is marketing third and sales is seventh? Does that surprise anyone that I'm saying this? Yeah? You it's what you invest in. You can invest in sales training, but it's only going to bring you to the point that the marketing has delivered people to the door. No, that's not why. No? Okay. The reason why marketing is so much more appreciable than sales is because you can market to a list of one person. You can market to a list of two people, and you've appreciated the value of your marketing by 100%. And then you can take that list of two and grow it to 200. And I can't do the math, but the percentage is really, really big, right? And then you can take that list of 200 and grow it to a list of 2,000 potential referral sources that you're keeping in your marketing system. And you've now grown the value of your marketing by another, whatever the percentage that is, 1,000%, 10,000%. I can't do the math. I'm not a math guy. You can keep growing that marketing list bigger and bigger and bigger and using people and technology and efficiencies and all kinds of things to keep in touch with more and more and more and more and an ever-expanding list of potential clients and potential referral sources. And it's 
almost endless. That's why marketing is the third most appreciable asset we have in our businesses. Why is the physical plant the fourth most appreciable asset? The physical plant is the fourth most appreciable asset because the physical plant, the, the main part of the physical plant, the most valuable part of the physical plant, let's remember, are your documented policies, documented procedures, checklists, templates, examples, your systems. Your systems can always be improved. They can be improved every month. They can be improved every quarter. They can be improved every year. There's almost no limit to how much you can improve your policies and your procedures and your systems of your business so that your people can use these checklists and these templates and these examples to do a better job, to improve the client experience, to improve the efficiency of the factory, which is why the factory is the fifth most appreciable asset in your business. Because your factory today can handle 100 matters per year. And then if you fix your physical plant and you, and, you, and you improve your people skills, the skills of your people, your factory can now process 200 matters per year. And then you keep working on your policies and your systems and your procedures. You keep training your people. Uh, you keep training your people. You keep expanding your marketing. And now your factory can handle 300 at a time. And there is a limit to how much your factory is going to be able to improve. And that limit is less than your marketing and it's less than your people. But it's a hell of a lot less limited than how much you can possibly hope to improve your financial controls or your sales. So let's talk about your, your financial controls. Once you have your financial projections, first of all, once you have all of your financial controls 100% accurate, how much more accurate are they going to get? Right? There isn't such thing as my, my bookkeeping is 200% accurate. My bookkeeping is only ever going to be 100% accurate. But the financial controls are still more appreciable than your sales because once you've got your financial controls 70% accurate, 80% accurate for today, now you can start to expand them farther forward. You can start to do financial projections one week in advance, one month in advance, two months in advance, six months in advance, one year in advance, two years in advance. So once you've got your financial controls reasonably accurate, 50, 60, 70%, don't wait till you get to 100% before you start pushing it forward into the future for forward-looking projections. But you can always make your financial controls more and more valuable for your firm by getting them more accurate and pushing them farther into the, into the future so you can predict more accurately, respond with more advanced lead time. Make sense? Which leads, us, which, le which leads us with sales. And sales is where everyone thinks, I gotta put all my time and all my energy in sales. And if you're having a problem with cash flow, that's probably a good strategy. But once you get past the point where you're worrying about cash flow on a month to month, quarter to quarter basis, the highest and best use of your time is building your people. 
Because once you've got your sales 100%, meaning 100% of your prospective clients who come to possibly hire your business, once you convert 100% of them, where are you going to go? You can't convert 101% of them, right? I mean, you can't say, hey, look, you know, uh, I know you're coming in for a divorce. Why don't I sell you my services for this divorce? And based on the story you just shared with me, it's pretty clear to me you're going to be getting divorced again. <laughs> so let me just double up and upsell you to a second divorce now. I mean, you can't do that. It's just not going to work in any business, right? Once you've got your sales 100%, that's it. So it's important to really be cognizant of the difference between the cash flow of the business, which is important, and the subject of a completely different, entirely meeting, an entirely different meeting is all about cash flow and financial controls. And an entirely different meeting is all about sales. The last live quarterly meeting we had was all about how to sell like a rock star. And I promise you, you can go back, you can listen to those recordings, you can watch those videos, you can get, you can download that workbook, and that will improve your sales dramatically. Not only will it improve the results you get, it'll make you more comfortable, it'll make you more confident, it'll just make you feel better about the entire process, and then you can use those skills to do what? We've just gone full circle here, we're connecting the dots. You can then use those skills exactly to hire someone and to recruit someone to build that person and put them in charge of keeping the sales plate up in the air. How many of you had a, had a, had a sales interview with me personally? Not many. Not many at all. And yet somehow you're here. Guess why? Because Chris Dyson and Kristen David and Chris Anderson, they're spinning that plate for me, not me. I recruited them, I built them, and I'm, and I'm leading them to their own success. They achieve their hopes and dreams and goals and ambitions in life by keeping that plate spinning. All right, let's talk about the A-team. How many of you feel like you have an A-team? Okay. How many of you have a definition of the difference between an A-team player versus a B-team player? How many of you have the How many of you can explain the difference between an A-team player, a B-team player, a C team player, a D team player, and an F team player. He's like, I can't describe it, but I know it when I have gotten fucked over by it. <laughs> All right, so here's my working definition, which I would encourage you to, to consider. All right? An A team player is someone who is on board with your mission. They're on board with your purpose. They don't have to have the exact same mission as you, but there's something about your mission that resonates with their mission. Helping you accomplish your mission helps them accomplish their mission. 
a B team player, they don't necessarily resonate with your mission. They're not offended by your mission, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not their mission. They like you. They want you to be successful. They're happy when you're successful. But your mission isn't necessarily their mission. You can make a lot of progress. You can make a lot of money. You can have a lot of fun with a B team player, but you've got to understand that they're not really motivated by your mission. They're motivated by you. And when you take you out of the equation, meaning when you grow to the point where you are no longer one-on-one -on -one personally supervising, mentoring, managing, working with them, beware, they may drift away, they may degrade into a C-team player, uh, or it may be time for them to move on somewhere else because they're not really motivated by your mission. They're motivated by you personally, and they'll spin that plate for you so long as you personally come by and give them a pat on the back every once in a while. And if you yourself personally stop patting them on the back every once in a while, they will eventually stop, pinning, stop spinning that plate. As opposed to an A-team player who's spinning the plate with you or without you because spinning that plate helps them accomplish what they want to accomplish. A C-team player. A C-team player, they're kind of ambivalent. They don't really care. They like you just fine, but not that much. They like their job just fine. It's got nice hours. The seat is comfortable. It's air conditioned as opposed to being outside. That doesn't mean that they're bad people. That doesn't mean that they're going to do a bad job. That doesn't mean they're going to be dishonest. That doesn't mean they're going to, they're going to steal from you. That doesn't mean that, that there's anything bad about them. They're just kind of ambivalent. They just don't give a shit that much. You want to build your business with C-team players. It's like you're constantly going to be pushing them and giving them pep talks and cajoling them and checking up on them and having to, having to, having to micromanage them. Your D, D as in dogs, your D team players, these are the people who are passive resistors. They'll stage a sit-in. They won't burn down the building. They're passive-aggressive. Uh, they, 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 they grumble under their breath. They, um, they kind of go along, but they, they suck all the energy out of, out of the job. They suck all the energy out of the business. They suck all the energy out of you, and they suck all the energy out of the rest of the team, not because they're trying to, but because they kind of don't like your mission. Maybe they don't like you, but there's something they don't like, and they don't have the courage to quit. It's like that song, Take This Job and Shove It. You ever hear that song? Sean, see if you can cue up that song because we'll look at it later with the lyrics. The whole idea of take that job and shove it is the guy saying, um, the guy saying that he was working in this factory where his friends keep getting killed. He hates his boss. He hates the job. 
but he doesn't have the courage to quit. And when the day comes that he finally has the, the courage to quit that job, then he'll say, take this job and shove it. This is a D player, right? Which brings us to your F team players. F as in fucking assholes. <laughs> All right? Your F team players, they are actively in revolt. And if an F team player blows up in your face, I promise you, I promise you from personal experience, <laughs> it's your fault. They gave you lots of they gave you lots of signals. They gave you lots of signs. They gave you lots of indications, and you ignored them. You ignored them. You talked yourself out of taking action on them. You explained, you justified, you'd excused, you fucked up. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week for more lessons from the vault.